You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Hallelujah! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode. I think today is going to be the perfect mix of a BS session mixed with a Hunter Profile podcast. Uh, today we are talking to a guy I've known for a long time. He's a good friend, just an overall good guy. And when I heard that he shot a buck this year, I was super excited for him because I knew that he struck out for you know, quite a few years. He uh, ate tag soup for quite a, quite a number of years. And uh, he's going to talk about that today in this podcast. We're going to talk uh, about uh, per- some particular property that he hunts, some of his standards that he has for, you know, what gets him to draw back on a deer, whether, you know, antler size or age class or whatnot. But uh, we talk a little bit in, in detail about why, he was on a drought for so long and what what took him to break that drought so it's a pretty interesting podcast and like i say when it's uh when it's with a guy like shane weist a guy who i've known for a while who's a good person who you know is passes young deer and is happy with not filling his tag you know as the season goes and um, you know, eventually each tag suit for so many years, that's the guy that I can relate to. And uh, so this conversation was uh, fun for me and uh, hopefully it's, it's fun for you guys. But before we get into the podcast, I want to talk um, a little bit about uh, Exodus trail cameras and with my hunting season almost over. And we just had like a, a week and a half two week period where the temperatures were extremely cold. We're talking uh, negative uh, degrees in the wind chills and even days where the high was, you know, below zero. My, in the past I've had trail cameras that have seized up or frozen or honestly, I had a trail camera a couple years ago that did not function below freezing. And, uh, I just checked my trail cameras today actually. And, uh, all of my Exodus trail cameras worked flawlessly. So, um, that's another big plus, uh, for, uh, for that company again, a direct to consumer. So you're getting more of a trail camera, uh, for a lesser of a price. I like that as well. So do me a favor, go to the, uh, exodusoutdoorgear.com website. Uh, take a look at all the other benefits that they have, uh, what their cameras are like, and uh, you know, do some do some reading on that. And uh, if you do decide to purchase, use the code nine fingers. That's the number nine, followed by the word fingers, and you will receive twenty dollars off of your order. So that's uh, pretty cool. Uh, you probably won't get it by Christmas now. But you'll have it for after Christmas, you'll have it for turkey season, you'll have it for, you know, put them out during shed hunting season when uh, it's time to, you know, start looking for sheds, seeing if the deer have dropped. And then before we know it, it's going to be summertime and we're going to be looking for uh, those velvet trail camera pictures. So there's that. Now, let's get into today's BS session with Shane Wiest. All right, on the phone with me now, all the way from the Great White North, Wisconsin, is a good friend of mine, Shane Weist. How you doing today, Shane? Good, Dan. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Now that I'm on the phone good. with you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Same, same with you. So I don't know why this is going to be my first question to you, but it was a long time ago I stopped by your house, and one of your boys 
pulls out a, a lizard to show me a lizard. Do you still have? <laughs> do you still have that lizard? You know, what's funny is actually that lizard passed away on his birthday of all days, oh, um, and we have since replaced that one with uh, a little bit smaller version of this. It's the same the same kind, but it's a little bit smaller than than the uh, the one that you saw. Yeah, that one was huge. I don't know if I could uh, go through with letting my kid have a lizard that big in the house. Yeah, you, you know, honestly, it's it's more my wife's idea than mine. Okay. Uh, lizards aren't really my thing so much. Not that they're really hers either, but <laughs> I don't know. She seems to have taken a little bit of affection to the thing, I guess. So I've made uh, numerous attempts to try to get it out of the house, but uh, I have failed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, if it makes the boys happy, right, that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So, kind of, kind of speaking of that, how old are they now? So, my oldest uh, Hunter is nine, and my okay. youngest uh, Saxton just uh, he's six now. Okay, so. nice. So, how is that going as far as you know taking them out in the timber with you? Um, are they starting to sit with you at all? Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, to be honest with you, this year I I did not get them out. Um, just had uh, the fall was just kind of busy. I the, yeah. didn't have a whole lot of free time to get out. And when I did, I, you know, I kind of took advantage of that for myself instead of getting the kids out this year. But yeah, we do a lot of shed hunting. Um, they've both been out. As a matter of fact, a couple of years ago, um, I've taken, we've been out as a, as a family out. Uh, I shot a turkey with my bow yeah. uh, and all of us were actually in the blind when I shot it. So that was kind of a, a neat experience. Um, but yeah, we do a lot of shed hunting together. The boys love getting out and playing out in the woods. So, um, my oldest son Hunter, we actually just got him a, a bow this year for his birthday. He, he turned nine in in October. So I anticipate that he'll, uh, be wanting to spend a little bit more time with me out in the woods and stuff now with, with, uh, that coming around. So he's, you know, 10, when he turns 10, he's actually old enough to hunt here in Wisconsin. So next year he'll probably, you know, be out trying to get his first deer. I'm hoping, but we'll see yes. how that plays out, I guess. Has he took a, a pretty big interest into shooting the bow? He, he actually really does like it. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, he, he's an expert being that he's nine years old. He, he already knows everything <laughs> about it. So he doesn't, he doesn't need to take any advice from dad on that. So. <laughs> that sounds just like me when I was younger. Yeah. Right. So, uh, what about the youngest one? Is he, uh, is he want to follow in brother's footsteps then and get a bow here pretty soon too? Oh yeah. Yeah. We were actually, uh, downstairs in the basement here. Um, I've got a little spot that we shoot down there and, um, <clears throat> we were down there a week or two ago and, uh, my youngest asked if he could try pulling, uh, Hunter's bow back. And, uh, so I said, yeah, you know, go ahead. I said, if you get it back, just don't let it go. And, and he pulled it back and Hunter kind of turned and looked at me like, how the heck did he pull that back? You know? So <laughs> he, uh, yeah, of course he's, he's itching to, to get a bow of his own. He's got a couple of years before we'd get him into, you know, the type of bow that, that Hunter has now, but right. he's got a, um, a little wooden bow that, uh, I picked up at a, at a deer show. And, um, so he's been flinging arrows with that and he likes to do that's just a little recurve. So, right. Right. But, uh, yeah, he, he would like to get a, a real bow of his own, that's for sure. Cool. Well, I, you know, I was flipping through some Facebook pages, uh, you know, uh, flipping through and saw you spend some time in the tree with your wife as well, right? She she's, Yeah, yeah. She's a bow hunter as well? Yeah, she you know, she wasn't before we met. Um, that was just something that I kind of probably maybe pushed her into a little bit. I mean, she enjoys <laughs> doing it, obviously not as much as what you and I would, but, uh, right. yeah, I tell you what, you know, the, the time that we spend in the woods together, that's, it's, it's unlike any other time, I guess, you know, there's, there's no kids around, there's, there's really no noise around to speak of. And it's just, uh, a time for, uh, for her and I to just get together. We, we spent a lot of time laughing and giggling in the tree and right. having more fun than anything else, you know, but, um, still working on trying to get her, her first year. We've, uh, had some opportunities, but just haven't been able to capitalize on it yet. So, gotcha. but that, that'll come in time. I'm, I'm confident in that. She, she's a really good shot with the bow. And, um, like I said, it's just a matter of 
having the time for both of us to get out, you know, getting the babysitter and all that kind of stuff too. So, right, right. That's definitely, uh, I know that feeling and not just to go out, <laughs> not just to go out hunting, but, uh, to do anything with, by yourself with your spouse. Yeah. 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 Those, those times are few and far between it seems. Right. Now I've gone through some droughts in my day when it has come <laughs> to, to bow hunting and yeah. not necessarily as long as the drought that we're going to talk a little bit about today. Uh, but, yeah. but I think the longest that I went was maybe four, four or five years, maybe, but, okay. but why don't you talk about uh, not counting the 2016 season, but when was the last time that you actually shot a buck with a bow? Uh, well, I shot the, the last year I killed it. Our last buck I killed in Wisconsin with a bow was 2000. So okay. I actually did, I did kill one in Iowa in 2004, but, okay. uh, yeah. So it had been a long time since I've, uh, but, punched a, a buck tag here in Wisconsin. Right. Regardless, 2004, <laughs> 2000, you know, still that's a, you know, that's over 10 years since, yeah, you know, yeah. since you shot your, your last buck. And, and I know you, so I know you're, you're hardcore bow hunter. You love the outdoors and stuff. So talk to me a little bit about from 2000, 2004, we could start off in Wisconsin in 2000. Talk to me some of the struggles that you have gone through, um, and not being able to punch a tag since 2000 in Wisconsin. You know, it, it, uh, well, leading up to 2000, I actually had a pretty good streak going, um, where I, I had tagged out a buck every year, right. um, or tagged out on a buck every year for the, you know, the previous four or five, I guess it was. And, um, yeah, when I shot that one in 2000, I never would have thought it was going to be till, you know, 2016 before I would finally take another Wisconsin deer. Yeah. Um, you know, there was some frustrations along with it, but, um, you know, there was a lot of land changes, uh, over those years too, you know, where I right. would acquire a, a different spot or, or lose a spot here or there, what have you. And I don't know. I mean, I, the, the drought didn't need to go probably as long as it did. I did pass on a lot of really good deer over those years. Right. Um, but you know, I, I was after the, the next caliber, you know, that is right. what I would say. So, um, I don't really have any regrets in, in all of that. Um, there were a couple of, of deer in particular that I probably should have <laughs> looking back at it now, right. Right. uh, probably tried to, to put an arrow in, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, it, it made it probably made it that much sweeter this year when I finally did, uh, you know, tag out. So I, I almost don't know what to, it, it had been so long. I'd, you know, I was telling my friends, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to act from here. You know, I don't know what to do with the rest of my time now. So that's funny. Yeah. That's funny. But, I, I, I tagged out early, uh, as well this year, as you know, and it was yeah. kind of odd going back to work with vacation remaining. And <laughs> I, I was like, I should be grinding it out in the tree stand. I'm, I wasn't used to tagging out early. I was used to getting, you know, going 16 days straight and, and then not being successful. But, yeah, yeah. but going, you mentioned some land changes. Um, and I think if you're a hardcore hunter, you've probably in, in rely on a private ground to hunt. Yeah. What kind, I mean, was it family? Was it friends that sold? Was it like long time acquaintances that ended up, you know, selling? Walk us through some of those land changes and what you did to go and look for new property to hunt. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it kind of started off. Um, yeah, I, I did have, um, family that had some land, um, that I hunted on quite a bit. And as the family grew and, um, the kids got older, a lot of my, um, family members would also start, we're also starting to hunt some of these properties and the pressure just got to be a little bit, you know, a little high. I thought for me, it was, you know, just something that, the deer population seemed to to go down almost in in line with that. We had CWD here in Wisconsin, and and they really started to open up all these seasons, so the population really went downhill. So I kind of tried to move around into areas, you know, where the deer population was 
still pretty good. And, uh, and, you know, some of these were only a mile or two down the road, you know, not too far from, from my original spots, but yeah, you know, you just kind of branch out and, you know, a, a lot of my permissions that I would get, um, would start as, you know, just scouting out in the wintertime and, uh, seeing if they would let me look for, for sheds, for deer antlers. And, um, it would just kind of, I would try to establish a relationship with, with landowners and stuff through that. And, you know, hope, you know, in hopes that one thing would be to another and pretty soon I would be in a tree. Right. And I was fortunate enough for that to happen uh, a few different times. And then like anything, you know, it, the, the things evolve. And again, I had kind of had some other family members that were coming in that, you know, wanted land to themselves. And, you know, so I, had to move on from that and um this past year not not this fall of 2016 but of 2015 um i had a property that i had been leasing for several years and uh, we had ehd breakout really bad up there and it pretty much destroyed the entire herd i mean we went from a really really almost over populated area with deer um, to, to almost nothing. I mean, there was virtually no deer left at all. It, it, it had eliminated everything. So with the amount of time and money and effort that we had into that, to that property, it just, I just couldn't justify it anymore, um, with the EHD breaking out. So my struggle of finding a new spot kind of continued in, in a, a really good friend of mine, um, has, has had a farm in uh in his family for gosh i think he's i i i'd have to ask him how many years but he said he started hunting there when he was 12 so it's been a lot of years and um he said you know if you if you want he said if you, if you you know come on out and help me hang some stands and we'll put in some food plots and stuff like that you know you can definitely come out here and hunt with me so that's actually where i had spent most of this fall was um out there with him and, and learning his farm and um yeah just real fortunate enough to 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 have that um the search for land will always continue but right. um i i have a really thing, good thing going here with with my good friend that uh has let me uh tag along with him now so that's worked right. out pretty well so let's i want to backtrack just a hair and talk about this uh this ehd outbreak now, yeah was this EHD outbreak in the same area and on top of the that Wisconsin area that was part of the CWD outbreak a while back as well? No. So the um, – hold on just a second. Okay, sorry about that. Um, my youngest is trying to get my attention here. Um, so, no, the, the CWD um, was quite a ways – south of where um, the EHD had broken out. And, and from what I was told, I, I, I really don't know a great deal about the EHD, but from what I was told, it was actually pretty confined to our small, uh, to our little area. Okay. Uh, it wasn't real spread out. So it was pretty, uh, a pretty small area where that was. And the CWD, I know that area has expanded quite a bit you know, over the years, but uh, no, I would say the two properties were, Gosh, they were an hour, hour and a half drive probably from one another. So, okay. So one property kind of failed with disease and that's kind of what led you to go out and start looking for new property. Um, yeah. You know, so you mentioned, you know, you're, you're kind of trading work. You're helping your buddy out with food plots. You're helping him out set uh, um, tree stands and cut shooting lanes and stuff like that yeah. um, in order, in order to, to hunt. Um, how much time did you have to put into this property? You know, rough, rough guess, uh, throughout, you know, this summer in order to hunt there this year? You know, probably I didn't probably put in as much time as I should have. Um, I gosh, I don't know. I, I'd have to really sit down and think about that. Um, I, boy, I, I don't even know. I, you know, it would probably be just the, you know, over two, three weekends worth of stuff, something like that. Um, we'd kind of just peck away at it here and there. He definitely had more effort into it than I did. I was coaching both kids, baseball teams this summer and, and all that stuff. So I didn't have quite the time 
you know, that, that he had, but yeah. So, I mean, I was very fortunate to, to, you know, to be a part of it, um, for the small amount that I, that, you know, that I actually helped. I actually, we kind of, I, I, I kind of helped more into the fall. We were kind of hanging stands, you know, making adjustments on the property, you know, based off of movement and stuff like that. So I actually, you know, kind of did more of that this fall than I did even in the summertime. Okay. Now this is, this is kind of a, uh, this, this next step in the conversation, something that I've heard horror stories of over the years where, you know, a couple guys will go share a piece of property. They'll find out that there's giant bucks on there after they get it. And after they work, and then there's some kind of antler envy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. They're, they're hiding secrets from each other. They're, they're not allowing, then all of a sudden they're like, oh, maybe, maybe you should go try to find another place to hunt. Um, yeah. What kind of agreement did you guys have worked out uh, before the season started as far as maybe when you could hunt, how, how much you could hunt, uh, what kind of caliber deer you were allowed to take? So, as far as when, I mean, it was, it started off as, you know, I could hunt there when he was around to hunt. Um, and as far, you know, the, the caliber of the deer, it, it really, he didn't really have any kind of speculation on that. His rule has always been, if you're happy with it and you would like to put it on your wall, if it's big enough for something for you to mount and yeah. feel, you know, go ahead and harvest it. He didn't really have the, you know, I mean, and knowing me, it's not, you know, there, I have a certain bar that I would set for myself so you know and he knew what that was so he knew i wouldn't be shooting deer you know that probably were not up to expectation kind of a thing but it actually as the fall went on it actually kind of evolved into um i actually hunted it by myself several times he and his wife um both had tagged out and um so he said yeah you know we're tagged out so basically the farm is yours now you you know you sit where you want and and do what you want to do. So, um, yeah, it, I, like I said, it, it was just, this whole fall has just been kind of a dream. I, I was just very fortunate to, to fall into a situation, um, with him, you know, allowing me to, to even hunt there to start with. And, and then to actually just have the place to myself was quite, you know, that was pretty nice. So yeah, a little luck doesn't hurt, right? Yeah. Right. Right. Do that. So I want to backtrack just a hair before we start talking about this particular um, season. And you've mentioned, you know, you went on a run up until 2000, right? Um, yeah. Uh, you, you were shooting some quality deer. What kind of yeah. what kind of caliber deer were you shooting up until that the start of that drought? Um, you know, score wise, if you're if you're talking score, probably you know the most of them are right right in the 140 type range, 130s to 140s. Um, actually, uh, the highest scoring deer that I had shot uh, was the first big one that I had shot, and actually that was um, on a property at the time that my brother had been leasing. Um, he had actually hung the stand, um, you know, hung all the stands on the property, and and you know me being the little brother, all I wanted to do was you know, tag along with him and, right. and just learn as much as I could. And, um, he agreed to let me come on out on, it was, a uh, it was Halloween night actually. And, um, yeah, so he let me come out there and hunt his lease with him. And I ended up, which, uh, score wise is still the biggest, you know, my biggest buck that I had killed, uh, was back in 98. That was the, the first, the first deer that I, the first big buck that I had killed and, uh, still is the biggest to this point. So, okay. So, but, but you went on a run and, and you were taken into consideration back, back then, were you taken into consider age at all or were you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I've grown a lot, you know, since, since then, um, pretty much, you know, it was three year old or bigger, you know, and, um, yeah, that's, I, I, you know, it's, it's changed a lot now. Um, you know, it's, I'd like to see, you know, four and five year old, you know, right. deer of that caliber. Now, um, I don't see myself really taking a three year old, um, knowing it's a three year old anyway. Um, okay. if it was big enough and I thought it was bigger than a three year old, I would probably shoot it. But, um, yeah, I would, if I, for me to shoot a three year old at this point, I think it would be my mistake more than anything. So, 
So with, you know, you said that changing, trying to go to elevate yourself to the next level as a hunter yeah. and taking, yeah. you know, a more mature buck. And I, if I had to guess you're, you switch from that three-year-old range to a four or five-year-old range, how much of that, I mean, did that play into the you know, not shooting a deer in Wisconsin for so many years. Oh, that, that, that was a, a huge part in it. I would say, I mean, I was, you know, I would pass, gosh, a, a, a very, you know, every year I'd pass up, you know, I don't know how many three-year-olds. I mean, it was, there were, it was quite a few, you know, I'd get to where I'd be passing four or five, you know, three-year-olds a year waiting on a four or five-year-old. And, you know, with the, the hunting pressure around, they're just, they just didn't get to four and five years old all that often. Right. So, yeah, I mean, there was definitely, you know, that definitely played a huge part in it um, now, as were far you, as the drought is concerned. Were you holding off knowing that there were bigger deer, more mature deer in the area? Because for me, I like to go after, uh, you know, a, a certain group of bucks, but I run trail cameras the entire time. So, so I mm-hmm. know that those deer are out there. So I don't feel too necessarily bad passing yeah. a, you know, a three-year-old if I know that there's plenty of four-year-olds or even a five-year-old or whatever out there. Did right. you, did you know at the time when you were passing all these three-year-olds that there were other more mature bucks out there? Yeah, I would say so. Um, it's, it's especially in the, uh, the lease that I had given up, um, because of the EHD down the road, um, half a mile, there was a, um, a very large chunk of property, um, where no one was allowed to hunt it. So, you know, you drive down the road and you'd see all these great big bucks standing on the field, you know, bean fields and stuff like that during the rut, you know, standing there with the middle, you know, middle of nowhere with a doe and, and like I said, that being just down the road, you always held out hope that, you know, all it took was one doe and pretty yeah. soon, you know, some of those bucks are down by us. And that did happen. I mean, we had some sightings of some big ones over the years and some, yeah, you know, some trail camera pictures and stuff like that. So, yeah, I guess I was always, you know, I mean, there was high hope that, you know, one of those caliber, caliber of gear would, would come down, you know, onto, onto our lease from, from the neighboring property. but it wasn't a total shot in the dark for me to think that a four or five year old would, would come through. I mean, we had definitely had reason to believe, you know, that that would be the case. Right. So, you know, 2000, 2001 goes by 2002 goes by 2003 goes by 2004 goes by. Are you now starting to question your decision to only chase these higher caliber bucks? Or was this kind of a, stick to my guts. I'm not shooting anything except a four year old or older. Yeah. You, you know, I never really had any regrets in any of that. Um, right. I, I enjoy, you know, I enjoy the hunt as much as, as killing anything, you know, and, and to sit there and pass all these, you know, two and three year old deer, you know, that, that was, that was fun for me, you know, that, that, yeah. um, it, it was good for my soul. Let's just put it that way. So, you know, I never really had any kind of a, a struggle with that, you know, that, that, uh, oh, I didn't, you know, tag, you know, having tagged soup again this year or whatever. I never really got to that point of frustration. You know, I, I was always just so fortunate enough to even get out and do it. You know, I mean, I had, at the time I had friends that would, you know, would have done anything to, to be able to pass the deer that I was passing, you know, and, right. and stuff like that. So, you know, you don't really try not to take that kind of stuff for granted. You know what I mean? So, right. Yeah. So is there a year that sticks out of those, you know, of those 15 years in uh, Wisconsin that kind of was like, oh my God, this sucks. I haven't shot in a year in so long. I, 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 I don't know. Did you ever have this contemplation? Cause I, I mean, I've even had it at sometimes like, man, this bow hunting things for the birds, you get pissed. You're just like, yeah. man, I, well, you know, you, you see, you see a two-year-old or even a three-year-old coming down the trail and you're like, this guy, he, I'm going to slam him. As soon as he gets close, <laughs> he walks by and you don't even touch your bow. You're just like, 
oh, you know, that little voice in your head takes over. Do you have any, any year like that where everything kind of got really frustrating? Boy, I don't, um, I mean, you, you know, I, I, nothing that really pops out of my head. You know, I mean, I can think of, you know, several times thinking to myself, when is it going to be my turn to finally punch a buck tag? I mean, I got all my friends are shooting this and that and the other thing. And it's just like, geez, when is it going to be my turn? Um, but you know, it's not that I wasn't shooting anything. I mean, I was shooting does along the way and stuff like that. So, you know, there is, you know, there was that with it too. It wasn't that I wasn't harvesting anything at all. Um, you know, the family enjoys venison too much to, to not be able to bring, you know, to not bring anything home. So, right. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, I had years where I was just, you know, it wasn't so much, you know, that I wasn't shooting anything. I think it was more that, you know, I had a few years where I wasn't seeing a whole lot and, you know, that's when it really starts to drag on you. You know, you do put all this time and effort in and when you go out and you're not even seeing deer, you know, that gets pretty frustrating. But as far as, you know, not tagging out, I, you know, I just, like I said, I, I just always felt like I was fortunate enough to be able to go out and do it that. Right. You know, that just came with the territory. If you didn't tag out, you didn't tag out. So. Right. So, you know, that's a lot of time in a tree stand just waiting. What yeah. did you, what did you learn? I mean, or, or maybe not necessarily learn, but appreciate in that, in that time sitting in the tree stand and not killing a buck. Boy, you know, you just, you know, I, I, over the, the last several, I guess what, I don't know, we'll say the last seven or eight years, um, just had some rough stuff that had gone on in my life and things like that. And, you know, it was more that, um, I think I learned that, that wrapping my tag around something wasn't the important thing. And, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot more to life than, than big bucks, you know, as, as much as I, love to pursue them and the shed hunting and all that, you know, the trail camera pictures and all of that. There's, there's just there, you know, like I said, I had some things that happened that, you know, just made me realize that it's more than just harvesting a deer, you know? So as far as what I would learn, I I guess I learned a little bit more about myself and, and, you know, trying to find, you know, that happy, you know, spot in, in, in your life. And, and the tree stand really helped me to do that. You know, you just being out in nature, you know, like people ask me why I hunt and it's just that that's where I find my happy place, you know, just yeah. going out and, and just being one with nature. And, and I just, it's just so relaxing to me. So, you know, as far as what I would have learned over that time, it's just, you know, how valuable life is and right. uh, try not to take stuff for granted, you know. Right. For sure. Now, now we can kind of transition into, into this year. You got this new yeah. property. Why yeah. don't you, why don't you tell us what this property looks like? What it, uh, you know, the ag split, what the timber looks like, the terrain in it, how the deer are using it. Well, there, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of ag around, um, and it's, it's pretty, pretty big, uh, you know, big ridges and flats and stuff like that. The, um, a lot of the woods was logged out several years ago and now it's, it, the forest floor is really thick. So there's a lot of really good bedding area. Right. Um, again, you know, a lot of uh, hillsides and stuff, there's a lot of south facing hillsides and slopes and things like that. But, um, there's, you know, we had put in some food plots and there was also, you know, some, um, food that the, the farmer had put in. Um, and it, this year was the first year that it wasn't, um, there weren't cattle in, in the property there had in the, pre, in the years previous, they had always had cattle in there. Um, so that kind of helped keep some of that thick stuff in check. Well, this year, a lot of that kind of stuff took off because the cattle weren't really in there, right. you know, and it kind of helped maintain any of that. So, um, yeah, big, big hilly stuff compared to what I was used to the, that the property that I lost with the EHD, that was real flat. Uh, it was along the river, but there were, you know, no big hills or ridges or anything like that. So it was, that was quite an adjustment to, to get up into the hill country a little bit more. 
Um, not that it's, you know, big bluffs and all that kind of stuff, but it, it's still, uh, it's, there's some, there's some hills that you have to climb a little bit here and there. So right. it was a little right. bit different. But. So was there a good number of deer betting on this property? I mean, did you guys have uh, the food sources on your property? Was there any ag that they were, or were you guys mainly the betting and then they would transition to ag on a different property? No, the, the, this, his, uh, his farm pretty much has everything. Um, okay we had some standing beans and we had put in uh, some brassicas and um, some uh, radish, a radish plot. And um, there's a lot of CRP there now. And uh, no, this, it, the property pretty much has everything. There's a kind of a, a creek that runs through it. So there's a good water source there. There's apple trees there. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a ton of really thick bedding and, and stuff like that throughout the farm. So it pretty much has everything a deer would need. There's really no reason for the deer to, to leave. You know, they don't have to go away for food. They can stay, stay right there on the property for food or for bedding. You know, like you said, there's just tons and tons of bedding throughout the whole grounds. So yeah, it pretty much has everything that, that a deer would need. Gotcha. All right. So what did, I know you had to share this property with two other hunters, but Mm -hmm. what, what was your, kind of I mean did you guys run trail cameras during the summer to see what kind of caliber deer were on this property yeah yeah and like I said you know he he had been hunting there you know since he was 12 years old so he knows what's you know what the what the property is capable of producing but uh yeah I mean we had you know trail cameras out and and be honest with you um there was one deer actually that I had pictures of that I really had my heart uh, set on. It was a real tall tiny eight pointer. Um, and he was the one that I was really hoping to, uh, to get a crack at this year. And I would have to look back at, at the dates, but I actually ended up passing that deer this year. He uh, came in following a doe and ended up having one of his G threes was snapped off. So I elected to pass on him in hopes that uh, he would make it another year and uh, be that much bigger and actually we did get pictures of him uh after the firearm season here in wisconsin and he did make it through so kind of excited to see um what he becomes and i mean it would be kind of nice to to be the one that i would you know he for me to wrap my tag on that one being that i passed him this year would be kind of kind of a sweet reward to, to to take him next year but we'll see how that plays out too i guess so you knew that there was a, you know, a decent number of, you know, quality deer in the, uh, in the neighborhood. Um, yeah. as, as September started, you know, cause your guys' season starts what, September 15th? Yeah. Around there. Yeah. There's, it's not, uh, it's not like Iowa where it's always October 1st. It's, right. it's usually somewhere, um, around the second weekend in September, the second Saturday. Uh, kind of depends on how it plays out. Sometimes it's the third Saturday. Gotcha. Now, um, as you know, as the hunting season got closer and even into that opening weekend, uh, did were the deer still there? I mean, was there was, were there were you getting trail camera pics of, of the bucks that you guys were after? Yeah, yeah. Um, we had um, a lot of clover and soybeans in there, so there was, um, you know, the the early season food source, um, was pretty abundant throughout the farm. So yeah, we had, um, those, those pictures of, you know, of the bucks that we were getting in, um, in, you know, into August in the first part of September really stayed on the farm. We really didn't have anything that had moved off. Okay. Uh, the farm, it's a pretty big, you know, a pretty big chunk of land too. So, um, you know, it's, it's capable of holding a lot of deer. So right. how many acres yeah. were you working with? Um, you know, I, I, I asked him and I can't remember what it was. I, I think it's, it, it's over 300 if I remember right. Okay. So, all right. So you, was there a kind of, uh, there was, you know, the original agreement was that you could only hunt when they could, uh, were, were hunting out there you yeah. know, to, to start it off with. Um, yeah. when, when did you start hunting that property right away? Uh, with them, you mean? 
Well, I mean, in general, I mean, when, when did you guys start hunting that property? Was it right away the opening weekend or did um, you wait until, you know, things started getting good or wait for that first cold front? No, I th- we, it wasn't, um, we, we, I wasn't actually able to hunt opening weekend. Um, and for some reason I think they were gone too. So I think, um, we didn't really start hunting it until, gosh, I think it was the last weekend in September, maybe, uh, or maybe it was the first part of October. I guess I, I would, again, I'd have to go back and look at the dates and stuff and everything, but, um, yeah, we didn't, uh, I, I know we weren't there for the, for the opener. Okay. So we, we, yeah, I, it was, I, I want to say it was probably the first part of October is when we really started to, okay. to pursue it. So as you walk into this property and you start, uh, I mean, did you guys have designated stands where it was like, okay, this is my stand, this is your stand, or this is my area of the farm. You can hunt over on this area of the farm, or was it kind of a free for all? No, he was, um, he, he was, he was, uh, okay with me hunting pretty much everywhere on the farm. So gotcha. we had stands, you know, well, he had stands, I should say that, you know, that were always, you know, traditionally really good spots. So we, you know, went in and trimmed those out and, you know, based on different years, if, you know, with the food sources changing, things will change a little bit. So he, you know, oh, we need to bump this stand, you know, a hundred yards that way or what have you. But no, I mean, we, he, we pretty much had, you know, all the stand sites set up going into the year with, like I said, with the exception of adjusting a few of them as the season went along, just based off of movement. But no, I wasn't confined to one little area. I, you know, he, he was, nice enough to, to let me have, you know, any of the stands. Nice. Okay. So, so as, uh, I mean, the first couple of times you went in there to hunt this year, was there a good amount of sign? Were you feeling good about what you saw, uh, you know, as October started rolling, maybe into the pre-red a little bit, were, were there still good bucks showing up on trail cameras? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, um, the first, one of the first uh, few hunts I had, um, I actually ended up passing up a really good deer. Um, that was pretty early in the season. Um, but that actually was a, a part of the farm that we didn't uh, actually have any cameras on. Uh, we had kind of, they were spread out throughout the farm, but there was one little, one section of like the southernmost end of the property where we just didn't have enough cameras to cover everything. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, all those, all those deer were, yeah, I mean, there, were, there was, it just seemed like there was a, a good buck on, you know, a lot of different sections of the farm. So you, you had, you know, you had a pretty good feeling that, you know, no matter where you went on the farm, there was a, a chance that you could, you know, had a legitimate chance at shooting a, you nice. know, a, a nice buck. So, okay. So when, when did you have maybe a first encounter with, a buck that you felt like, okay, if he comes close, I, uh, I think I'm going to probably try to take a shot at him. Um, well, uh, again, that, that one that I had pictures of in the summertime, um, he was the one that I was actually out there after. Right. And, uh, when I saw him coming in, I recognized him right, right away what deer it was. And I thought, Oh my goodness, this is, you know, he, this is who I'm after. Yeah. And as he got closer, uh, I noticed that tine was snapped off and I thought, yeah, I just, I just didn't want to take him, you know, take the shot with him having that tine broke off. Cause he, he had real nice long tines and that was one of the reasons I really, you know, liked that particular deer. So it just didn't feel right to, you know, shooting him with, with him missing that tine. Um, so, and then a few, a few weeks went by, um, and we were getting pictures of some good deer and um, my buddy ended up getting a picture of the deer that I ended up shooting. Um, he was already tagged out and his wife was already tagged out, but he uh, was still, you know, monitoring all the cameras and stuff and trying to help me, you know, figure out where I wanted to be to, to try to shoot one. And um, so he had pictures of this other buck that I ended up shooting and uh, there was him and then there was another really big seven pointer that was running around out there. And, um, I knew that, you know, had I had the opportunity at one or the other, I felt pretty confident that, um, when I saw him on the hoof, that I was definitely going to want to, to try to take a shot at, at either one of those two deer. Okay. So, 
as the what what time of year was this? Was this late October then? Yeah, it was. Um, it was yeah the the last. Well, I'm trying to think. You know, no, actually, I think that it got into the first week in November. I think. Okay. Um, when when uh, the one that I shot ended up popping up on trail camera. Okay. Now, because this is kind of a new to you property, were you yeah. doing a lot of run and gun hunts or did you already have uh, stands trimmed out? Inside? No, like I said, we hit, you know, he has stands all throughout the entire farm. So, right. and, you know, again, being a farm that he has hunted for so many years, he knows right where all the deer are, the, the okay. trails that they like to take. Okay. And, you know, traditionally, okay, this time of year, you need to be on that ridge with this wind. And, you know, so I was really um, relied on him for a lot of the information. Um, and then, you know, as the season went along, you know, based off the movement that I was seeing, you know, I started to kind of figure things out with the farm. Okay. Um, but no, he, you know, we really didn't, I mean, we had a couple of stands that we kind of tweaked or, you know, knew that we had to put a stand here or there based off of what we were seeing. Right. Um, but for the most part, you know, mo- almost all the stands were already in place leading up to the year. So, okay. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, it's now November. What were the deer yep. doing? What were, I mean, were you seeing good movement? Were you seeing chasing? Uh, what were new deer showing up? You know, I, I really didn't see a great deal of chasing this year. Um, until, well, probably the week, the weekend before I finally did shoot my buck. Um, and I shot my deer on the 19th. Um, so it was the Friday and Saturday. That was a, that was a Saturday evening when I shot that deer the Friday and Saturday before that. Um, I finally started to see, um, bucks out really cruising, you know, looking for does. Right. Um, the I'm trying to think of the so it would have been the 12th um, was a really good day for me as far as um, you know bucks I don't know I must have saw gosh I don't know a dozen bucks that morning oh, wow. and there was some with does and some of them were just running around crazy with their you know tongues hanging out just nose to the ground uh, really searching hard but you know it was fairly warm leading up to that and it just seemed like that, I, you know, in my opinion, it maybe made a lot of that rutting activity happen, you know, at night. Right. And we finally started getting some colder weather there. Um, and I remember that that morning of the 12th, um, the temperature was in the teens when I, when I was going in that morning. So it was a really nice, you know, cold morning. It was finally seemed like it really started to get the, the deer up and moving. So, so you, you shot your deer your buck on the 12th, right? On the 19th. On the 19th. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. when was the first encounter uh, with this buck you ended up shooting? Because you had a previous so, encounter with him, right? Yeah. The, the morning of the 12th was the first time that I had seen him. And okay. like I said, we had pictures of it. And I had seen a lot of bucks that morning. And um, now, I heard something say, back behind. When you Go say ahead. you saw a lot of bucks were these bucks like running close to your stand? Did you feel comfortable that, Hey, if a shooter came by this area, I was going to, you were going to get a crack at it. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually that, that particular stand, um, there's a, a, because of them having the cattle on the farm, um, the, the fencing is, is real tall. And, um, there was a spot in the fence, um, that had, the tree had knocked down. So there was a, a really good crossing there and the deer really seemed to focus in on that this fall. There was a lot of deer using that. So, and it was right on the top of this uh, real long Oak Ridge. Um, so yeah, I was pretty confident that, uh, any, you know, any buck that was going to be cruising up and down that Ridge would probably choose that spot to cross the fence because of, like I said, it was a really high quality fence. It was, you know, it was brand new the year before. So, yeah, I was, you know, I was feeling pretty confident. It was a lot. Of, I mean, I saw, gosh, I must've seen 20 does that morning too. I mean, there was just deer all over the place moving back and forth. So, um, yeah, I was feeling actually really good about, um, 
if, if there was a big one in the area, he was probably going to be within range just because of where I was set up on the hill and him wanting to, you know, the, the deer using that ridge with that particular wind direction that I had that morning. Right. Uh, I figured the bucks would really be cruising up there on top of that ridge. So, okay. So t- walk me through that first encounter. So I, uh, again, I had been seeing a ton of deer that morning and it was about 1130. Um, I had heard a branch snap behind me and I looked down the hill and I could see a, a really heavy horned deer coming up the hill. And I figured he was going to be coming up right towards that spot to jump the fence. And when I got a good look at it, um, I knew right away it was a deer that I was going to harvest. I didn't know immediately that it was the buck that we had the pictures of. I just knew it was a taller tine deer and it was really heavy. Right. And it was a deer that I was, you know, definitely, uh, definitely wanted to try to take a shot at. So I reached for my bow, came back to the other side of the tree and he was coming up the trail right towards me. And there was a trail that kind of paralleled the hillside and he turned a little bit and I passed up an opportunity. I, I, I could have taken the shot. I would have had to kind of draw back and squat way down in the stand. Um, but because of the path that he was taking until that point, I thought he was just going to continue right up to me and go to that spot to cross the fence. So I thought, well, I'm, I, he's going to give me a chip shot here. I'm just going to hold off. And about the time I thought that he turned and actually went straight away from me down the hill and then kind of walked off. And at that point, when he was walking away, that's when I realized what deer it was. Um, I recognized him from the photos uh, that we had on the food plot from well, a week or two earlier than that. So did you try any calling at this buck as, you know, you your your opportunity at a shot started fading? Yeah, as, as he walked away, um, I did grunt at him and he stopped but he never really looked back. Um, he kind of started to, to walk again and I grunted again. And then he kind of turned and looked back my direction and he really didn't give it a whole lot of time. And he, he was just off doing his thing. Right. Um, I tried to go bleed and, and he just, at that point, his mind was made up. He was continuing on his way. So okay. I didn't do anything crazy aggressive or anything like that, but. Right. Okay. So, that was the 12th. Um, did any, be, between the time that you ended up seeing him the first time and the time that you ended up killing him on the 19th, did you have any other encounters with any big mature bucks? No. Um, the, uh, the following, I'm trying to think. So I shot my deer, I think, it, okay, so I think it was the following Sunday. So yeah, it might've been the next day. I can't remember. No, it was two days after. Um, I had seen, I caught a glimpse of one really nice one. Um, just kind of going through the thick brush. Again, that property has got some, just some really thick areas on it. And I just caught glimpses of him going through. I never really could get, you know, a feel for how big it was. I felt like it was a pretty good deer, but, um, no, I really, uh, I hadn't seen, you know, that, that, like I say, that day of the 12th was definitely, you know, my best day as far as movement. And yeah, I really didn't see much after that as far as good deer. I mean, you know, you, you'll see your year and a half and two and a half, but, um, no, I didn't see anything real big, um, after that, after the 12th until the day that I had shot mine. So why did you, you know, now fast forwarding to the day you actually killed this buck. Yeah. Why did you decide to sit in the stand that you sat in I mean, was that well, the same stand that you saw him in the first time? No, no, it wasn't actually. So fast forward it. Um, I actually, um, I shot my buck during our opening day of uh, rifle season. Um, I was out with the bow. I, I'm not a gun hunter. I haven't gun hunted in, in several years. I just enjoy bow hunting too much. So um, this farm was a very, very low pressure farm. Uh, my buddy doesn't gun hunt at all either. So um I felt like, you know, we, the deer were still going to be on, you know, fairly normal movement, um, because of, you know, not really being any gun pressure and, you know, guys in every other tree making drives and stuff like that. His farm is big enough to where, you know, the deer were still doing their, their normal activity. So 
I felt like the, the rut was kind of starting to, to taper down a little bit. So, um, I chose to sit on a, we put in a, a radish food plot this year and it was kind of up on this real long ridge, um, on the inside edge of a field that there was kind of like a little, um, a little bay that kind of came in off of the, the main big bean field. Um, so we had that and turned that into a rash plot this year. And that's where we actually had pictures of the buck that I ended up shooting um, there. We had, That's where he frequented the most, uh, as far as the, all the cameras we had, um, that was where we had gotten the most pictures of him. So th- between him and that big seven-pointer, um, I felt like my odds of harvesting one of those two deer was going to be pretty good on that radish plot. I figured if there was any big bucks, you know, searching for those last few does, there was a ton of doe activity, uh, in that, in that particular area with the radish plot and then the standing beans just off to the side of it. Um, so the stand that I was sitting in was actually on that radish plot. Um, and like I said, I, I just, the, the wind was right for it. And, um, yeah, we had figured that, you know, odds were pretty decent that, you know, if, if there was a big buck cruise in the area, he was going to want to come up on that ridge. Um, it was a really, really windy day that day. It was cold. It was actually one of our, probably, probably one of our first or second coldest days we had had all fall. Um, and the wind was just howling like crazy. And I was up on a ridge, so the wind was blowing pretty hard up there, but, um, yeah, so I ended up, uh, taking him that, that night. Um, he came out, well, I don't know if you want, do you want me to just yeah, yeah. go into it? Okay. So, so we had, or I had a, I shouldn't say we, I had a bunch of, uh, does come through and, um, some small bucks had filtered out and, um, down off of the backside of this ridge, a fawn had come out and then a two-year-old came out to the top of the food plot and he kept looking back. And he just, he was just kind of acting kind of timid. So it made me think that maybe there was a better deer, you know, right down below him. So I just sat there and waited and, you know, the two and it was a two and a half year old eight pointer. He came walking out and I had the video camera with, so I was filming that. And, uh, he kind of came down in the corner behind me and I was getting some neat footage of him. And I looked back up the hill back towards the fawn and all of a sudden I saw my buck pop up. Um, behind her, it was a doe fawn, and he kind of came up to the edge of the of the radishes, and he just stood there uh, looking around, and, and he was in no hurry at all. Um, right. I don't know if the wind had really, you know, really had him keyed in or, or, or what, but when I first saw him, he basically was within bow range um, when I saw him, but I was fairly confident that he was going to come out into the radishes and you know kind of check things out I, you know i didn't know if he was going to be feeding or if he was really searching but the more he stood there the more i thought well he's definitely not searching for anything because he's just you know just keyed up just looking around um right. and then he kind of crept out into the radishes and he you know pulled a couple out of the ground he was eating them and he'd take a few more steps and um i had ranged him I don't know, back and forth. He was going back and forth out in the plot in front of me, like I say, within range the whole time. Um, but I had ranged him several times with the rangefinder, and I, I had the video camera with, so I was trying to get the video camera out in front of him where I thought the deer was going to walk. And about that time, he would turn and kind of go back where he had come from, and then I'd get kind of set up to shoot there, and then he'd turn around and go back the other direction. It was just, He was just zigzagging back and forth. And... Um, all in all, I actually, I watched him for, I think it was like 13 or 14 minutes. I had him within bow range, uh, in this radish food plot. And, uh, eventually all of a sudden he just felt like it was time to leave the plot and he turned and actually started coming towards me. And, um, I got the camera out in front of him. I, I pulled back and, uh, tried to stop him, um, with a no, you know, tried to stop him once and he didn't hear me. So then I made it, you know, tried to stop him the second time and he heard me the second time and I shot and the arrow, uh, I, I knew I hit, I had to hit him back. He kind of bound to the edge of the food plot and stood there for, a, you know, a, what seemed like 
a minute, but it was probably only like, you know, 10 seconds or something. And then he just slowly just walked off. And, you know, because I, I knew that I had hit him back, I thought, well, there's no way we're going to go, you know, go look for this deer tonight for sure. So, and with that, um, my, the buddy, Sean, the one that I was hunting the farm with, he actually has a tracking dog. Um, he runs, uh, Spring Valley Kennels in Blue Mounds, and he's got a, a, a blood tracking dog, um, Keeler. And, you know, I, I sent him a text. I said, you know, I shot the eight. Um, I hit him a little bit far back. I definitely, you know, think we need to wait till tomorrow morning and just bring Keeler in there and, and let him, you know, go find the deer. And so I didn't sleep real well that night, obviously. Um, yeah. But uh, his dog made a pretty short track of it, actually. It's uh, pretty remarkable what those dogs are capable of, and his in particular is is pretty special. But, yeah, it was uh, – it had probably gone maybe about 150 yards, maybe, you know, maybe 200 yards, I guess, from, from the shot, and actually had made a big hook back around. Um, it kind of went down a ridge and up over the ridge and came back the other side, back towards the stand a little bit that I had shot him on of actually. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a pretty good feeling to finally, uh, to look at one so that I had you, shot laying there. So where did you, where did you think you, where did you think you hit him? And then where did you actually hit him? I, I hit him. It was a kind of a liver, a liver gut shot. Um, okay. he was quartering towards me a little bit and I tried to tuck it right behind the shoulder um, I hit him just a little bit back from where I wanted to hit him and the arrow ended up coming out kind of back in front of the the rear leg. So I had basically gone right through, you know, liver and guts. Okay. So was there a lot of blood or did you instantly say, you know what, I'm not even going to test anything. I'm going to back out, call my buddy and we're going to find this buck tomorrow. Yeah, no, there was no, I, no, I didn't see her. I didn't see any blood. I, I, you know, as he was walking off, the only thing I did is when I, I waited till dark, um, I got down onto the stand and I crept over to the arrow. It was a pastor. I could see the arrow sticking in the ground. I walked over just to kind of look at the arrow right? and there was pretty decent blood on the arrow. And I thought, yeah, I'm just, you know, I, I knew that I hit it back far enough to where I, that there was no chance that we were going to go look for it that night. Um, there was just, it was real cold and everything. There was just no reason to even, you know, push the envelope with that. So for sure. Yeah. We just went in the next day. So you, you, you walk up to this buck after the dog finds it and you lay your hands on him. What kind of emotions were running through your head at this point when you had, it's been 15 years since you shot a buck in Ohio and what, 10 years or 12 years since you shot a buck period. Yeah. Or in Wisconsin, yeah. I meant in Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, um, you know, it's, it's funny after I had shot the deer, um, laying in bed that night, I was really beating myself up over it. I thought, you know, did I make the right decision? Did I shoot this deer? You know, or should I have shot the deer? Uh, was it big enough and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you start all these second guessing, you know, right. just every, all my decisions and everything. And, and, um, when, when Sean said, he's got your deer right here. Um, yeah, it was, uh, that was a pretty incredible feeling. And, you know, and I walked up to it and, you know, I, I stood over and looked at it for just a few seconds and I thought, yeah, I, uh, it was definitely a deer. I was, I definitely should have shot. So yeah, it was, it was a pretty emotional time. You know, my friend, Sean, he, he and I have really become close and, um, it was just, like I said, it was a, such an incredible opportunity for him to allow me to come out and hunt with him this fall. And, you know, I gave him a, you know, a great big hug and, you know, I was pretty emotional. I got teared up a little bit. Um, it, it's, uh, there was a lot of work that went into it, you know, over the years, uh, to, that led up to this, a lot of deer that I had passed and everything. And, yeah, it, um, it was a pretty emotional time, you know, and, and I think part of it too was, you know, that one that I had my heart set on, uh, that I had gotten the pictures of early when he came by with that broken tine, I was so deflated after that. I, you know, he, Sean was kind of giving me a pep talk of, you know, you got to get back out there and everything. And it was just like, in all these years, I finally get the deer that I'm really truly after yeah. in range. And then, you know, he ends up being broke up. So 
you know, there was a lot of frustrations that I had, you know, leading up to that point that had finally poured out of me when, you know, when I, when I finally did, right. um, when we find when, when we found the deer. So, so now that, you know, you've harvested this buck this year, you know, you're back, Shane Weist is back in the saddle, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, so what's, I mean, what are you thinking about? I, I know you, so I know, you know, you're like me, man. We think about this stuff all the time. What are, what yeah. are you thinking about for 2017? Um, well, I know that we're going to be putting in a lot more radishes because <laughs> that, uh, that radish plot just got absolutely hammered this year and actually um we've got some doe tags to fill um yet this year and and sean was out tonight and had a bunch of deer pile out into the the radish pot but um the he never got a quality opportunity at a doe so um yeah you know i just looking at next year we're we're okay what where you know what kind of food plot should we put here or you know can we expand the food plot just a little bit bigger you know, over into that direction and, you know, different stand. And we're talking about building some hay bale blinds and, you know, where we would put those. And yeah, I mean, the clock, you know, that your, your mind's just always turning, you know, of course right. we're thinking, okay, what deer made it or, you know, what kind of sheds are we going to find? And right. yeah, I'm, I'm getting real anxious to, to start that part of the year now too with, with shed hunting. But I, you know, I know we've got a little bit of time before that, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, like I said, we got a couple doe tags we want to fill, so I'm not done hunting just yet. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, it, um, I'm hoping that th- that this year I can. That this is the start of a new streak. So right, amen on that. Amen on that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, let me say congratulations, Shane. Uh, appreciate, I appreciate you taking it. time to come on the show and uh, share this story with us. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, you know, if if um, anybody out there that's listening to the podcast, if they want to see any of the footage, oh yeah, um, from this past fall, um, you can go on uh, Arrow Wild Co. and on their Facebook page, if you, if you give them a like, um, my my footage should be coming out here in the next whole month or two. Um, if they want to keep their eyes on that, uh, eventually they that will uh, come out on on the Facebook page. So. Perfect. Perfect. So everybody go check that out. Go watch Shane's season. And uh, again, man, thank you very much. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me on, Dan. And there we have another podcast signed, sealed, and delivered. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you guys who have taken time out of your day to download this podcast. I really appreciate it. Huge shout out to Shane for coming on the show. Thank you for taking time out of your day to uh, share those stories with us and talk to us a little bit about your, your season and your hunting style and whatnot. Uh, I always say this guys, check me out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, if you haven't already go and check out the ninefingerchronicles.com website. That's where, um, I have a blog there as well. Um, I haven't been blogging as much lately just because the podcast has been taking up a lot of my time but uh, every once in a while I'll throw something new out hopefully everybody has a Merry Christmas uh, Happy New Year I'm gonna I'll, I'll be launching some more podcasts before the end of the year but I'm not 100% sure I'm gonna launch one on Friday of this week however with that said thank you guys very much for everything you do you sure have made this uh, year exciting for me. Um, the podcast has grown more than I could have imagined and I have you the listeners to thank for that. Now, if you are getting out and doing some hunting this uh, over this Christmas break, man, please be safe and wear your damn safety harness.